If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to begin in the book of Mark in chapter number 2. Gospel of Mark, chapter number 2. Whenever you're driving down the highway, what is it you focus on? What is it that draws your attention? Is it the radio? Oh, it's the road. The road. Is it the scenery around you? Anybody else guilty of this? My wife tells me I am. I think I'm not, but she tells me I am. Whenever you, you get to looking and you see something really nice, if it's on this side of the road, you tend to drift that way. Right? If you're looking at it, you're focused on it. But if it's on this side of the road, I tend to drift this way. And then whenever I start talking on the phone, I slow down about 30 miles an hour. Because I can't hear when I'm driving so fast. Whenever things take our focus, we tend to look in different directions. And while we should be focused on the road the whole trip, a lot of times we'll, we'll get busy fiddling with the radio or, or checking our phone that we're not supposed to do when we drive ever because that's against the law, right? We'll get busy and, and, and we'll get to fiddling or, or flip-flop whooping kids in the back or, or whatever it may be. And a lot of times we'll take our eyes off the road. And, and I'm going to use a metaphor this morning, and, and I'm going to consider that, that road to be uh, God's will for our life. That road is going to be where God wants us to go. And every time we take our eyes off of it to fiddle with the radio, every time we take our eyes off of it to, to fiddle with whatever we have in our hands or, or hold the steering wheel with our knees and dip our chicken nuggets in our ranch dressing, whenever we get distracted, that's when bad things happen. That's when accidents happen. That's when we missed and, and didn't see that cop and boom, blue lights in our rear view make us jump. That's when we missed that stop sign. That's when we missed that red light or that curve or that turn or that speed limit sign. That's whenever we miss things, whenever we take our eyes off of the goal, the mission, what it is we are supposed to be doing for God. In Mark chapter number 2, Mark calls a, a man and... A, and if you kind of put together what the, the four Gospels say about him, there's not much about him. But if you kind of put together what the four Gospels says, to, to be a tax collector in this time, one has to be a meticulous type of person. Um, education is not really valued greatly uh, in this part of the world at the time. And so in order to be, uh, in order to be trained in, in something like tax collecting, something like math, one would have to be, uh, one would have to be very intelligent. And whenever we look at the, the disciple Matthew, we see a man who is considered to be an intelligent man. We see a man who is considered to be meticulous. And if you read through Matthew, it is very, 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 very detailed. In addition to that, it is very, uh, it is very organized. And so, drawing conclusions from all of that, we see Matthew as a very, uh, very thoughtful person. One who does not take his eyes off the prize. One who does not take his eyes off the road. One who thinks through situations that he's presented with one who runs scenarios through his mind to try to make the right decision try to make the correct decision to try to make a calculated decision and whenever we read about matthew that that's that's the way that i read about him uh, if you get an opportunity to watch the uh the the show the chosen uh it's for the most part as biblically accurate as i've ever seen uh, they depict matthew in the same way as, as someone who is very meticulous and someone who is very thoughtful but here we read about Matthew and we know that uh, we know that in the time whenever Jesus was here that he was busy doing things and, and preaching and teaching and even performing miracles in the city and we know that people had heard about it 
Even after he turned the water into the wine at the wedding, people had heard about it. Whenever he, he went to the, the pool and healed the lame man, and, and whenever they took the roof off the, off the, the house and, and he healed the lame man, uh, people heard about what Jesus was doing. We're going to pick up in verse number 13 of the book of Mark, chapter number 2. Book of Mark, chapter 2, verse 13. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him. And he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of the custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And that's all we have as far as the record goes of whenever Levi or Matthew was called. But it don't say that Matthew asked him questions. It don't say that, that Matthew weighed that decision. He saw a man that had been doing miracles in the community. He saw a man that was obviously sent from God. He saw a man that was considered to be the chosen one. He saw a man that something was different about. He saw a man that, that stood out to him. And whenever the man said, follow me, it said that he arose and followed him. How well is our obedience this morning, today, in our life? Whenever God tells us to follow Him, do we do so? Or do we take our eyes off the road and we get run off into the shoulder sometimes? Whenever God tells us to live for Him, do we arise and, and follow Him? Do we do and go? Or do we get distracted? It's very, very easy to take our eyes off of what God has what God has done in our life. Let's flip over to Malachi in chapter number 3. Book of Malachi in chapter number 3. Whenever we take things that are supposed to go to God, we're robbing Him. Whenever we withhold from Him, we're robbing Him. Whenever we don't give to Him the way that we should, we are robbing Him. And I'm not talking about just of money. People can be robbed of time. People can be robbed of resources. People can be robbed of, of anything. Anything that is taken from you. So what do we take from God that is rightfully His? What do we withhold from God that is rightfully His? My, uh, Matthew was told, follow me. And he stood up and followed him. Had he not, had Matthew sat there and said, Whoa, I'm not sure I'm going to do this. Nicodemus, Nicodemus came to Jesus and asked him, he said, What can I do? Jesus said, You must be born again. Nicodemus said, Nope, can't do that. Nicodemus would not believe. The only sin that can get you to hell is the sin of unbelief. And if you commit that sin, if you hold fast to the sin of unbelief, then you are robbing God. You are robbing God of your soul. He wants you. He desires you. And He'll bless above and beyond what you can comprehend. But you've got to obey Him. God wants to do His will in my life, but I have to listen to Him. God wants to bless us, but we have to listen to Him. We have to focus on Him. Matthew chapter number 3, verse number 8. Will a man rob God? 
Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and in offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall the vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord. Whenever we don't have the faith that we should in God, we're robbing Him of our life that could be used for His work. Whenever we don't obey God, whenever we don't go, whenever we don't teach, whenever we don't preach, whenever we don't bring our kids to church, whenever we don't make Sunday school, whenever we neglect to read our Bible, whenever we don't pray, whenever we don't testify, whenever we don't try to reach others, whenever we don't evangelize, whenever we don't support missions, we are robbing God of opportunities that He has given us in our life. God will not, can, uh, will not ever force you do anything it's not going to happen the old saying goes there's only two things you got to do before uh, in, in this life right only two things you got to do die and pay taxes God's only going to make you do one of them paying taxes between you and Uncle Joe but God will require death if Jesus don't come back first but God will not save you if you don't let him God will not save you if you don't believe. The opportunity is there. It's, it's like me holding out a present. Holding out a present. All you got to do is take it. All you got to do is take it. But God is not going to throw it at you. God is not going to shove it down your throat. And, and, and we're not supposed to take the Bible and hit people with it and try to get them Jesus. It's not supposed to work that way. It is a gift. It is an opportunity. But we have the opportunity to take it or to not to take it, right? Looking back. 15, 20 years ago, we all know that had we invested in Amazon 20 years ago, we wouldn't have to go to work tomorrow. None of us. Had we invested in Amazon 20 years ago, but you know what? We didn't. Because we didn't know. We had no idea. But if I could go back and change it, if you could go back and change it, would you? Because now you know. Now you know exactly how it's going to play out. Now you know exactly what you're going to get for your investment. Would you go back and change it? Would you go back and invest? Absolutely. But we can't. We can't go back. There's no no change in the past based on the information that we have right now. We can't do that. But the thing about it is, God knows 20 years from now what's happening. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And he said, I will open to you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that shall not be enough room to receive it. God has the ability to bless us above and beyond what we could ever think, what we could ever believe, what we could ever desire. But he will not do it if we don't believe in him, if we don't trust in him. If we don't surrender to Him.
God wants us to thrive. God wants us to not only live. He don't only want to give us life, but He wants to give us life more abundantly. But He's not going to do that against our will. He's not going to force it down our throat. If you're here and you're saved today, if you're not living for God, you are robbing God. If I'm not living for God, I'm robbing God. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior this morning, you're robbing God. Gospel of John, chapter number 12. I wasn't going to go all the way over there this morning, but I'm going to have to now. Gospel of John, chapter number 12. Verse number 43, For they love the praise of men more than they love the praise of God. What stands between you and obeying God? What stands between you and faithfulness? What stands between me and faithfulness? I found this online. I thought it made an awful lot of sense. If the disciples treated Jesus the way that we treat church today, I cannot be faithful because Peter said my mother-in-law came for the weekend and I have to avoid her. I can't come. Andrew said I was up too late last night and church is too early. Even though I get up at 6 every morning to go to work, I can't make a 10 o'clock church. I'm not going to make it either. James said I really need some me time. John said I was there last week. I've seen it. I've done it. No need to show up all the time. Philip said finally a sunny day to go fishing. Matthew said I've got work to do. I've got things going on. I can't make time. Thomas says, I doubt it would have had been a good day anyway. And Thaddeus said, the kids need a rest. Why don't we just take it easy today? There's always an excuse not to be faithful. There's always an excuse not to do it. There's always a reason not to obey God. There's always a reason not to follow God. But God always gives us a reason to follow Him. God always gives us a reason to obey Him. How did the Red Sea open up for Moses? How did it happen? Moses took a stick, right? And he held that stick up, and the water just parted. Can you imagine down through history how many people have held a stick up at that sea and waited for the water to split? The Bible said there was a wind. People explain it with a wind. How many times since Moses done it has that sea split with a wind? Can't happen. You can take a hairdryer and take a saucer of, of water and you try real hard to split that water. Anybody ever tried that? Don't work. It don't work. All you do is make a mess. You can blow and, and you can bring a wind from every which direction. Nature didn't do it. God did it. Whenever you look at the intricacies of the <laughs> of biology, the way that you work, the way that I work, anybody ever wonder why you yawn? What is the point? Why do we yawn? Oxygen. Oxygen. That's the reason I'm always yawning with this tide. You never get enough oxygen. Whenever you yawn, it means that your brain is not getting enough oxygen. And it tells your body to yawn so that you can inhale more at one time. How can a how can an evolutionary chain create a yawn? 
How can a, a, a germ create a yawn? Our bodies heal themselves. It's called cellular regeneration. And that don't happen by accident. There's a lot of things that happen have to happen precisely at the right time in order for you to cut yourself and two weeks later be healed. It's a lot of things that have to happen. It's not by accident. It's God. This morning, Brother Ed said in the Sunday school that, that Moses come up to a rock. And, and I have to imagine it was a big rock, but we don't know. But Moses come up to a rock and he hit it with a stick and boom, water come out of it. I've never done that. I hit a pipe with a track coat yesterday and water come out of it. <laughs> but that's not quite the same thing. Moses hit a rock with a stick and water came out. That's not Moses. That's God. God's people was hungry. God said, I'll take care of you. And the next morning they went out there and there was food all over the ground. I have to imagine that it was probably on a plate and, and fully cooked and delicious because it come from God. And anything that comes from God is perfect. So I have to imagine that it was good. That, that it wasn't rotten, that it wasn't terrible, that it wasn't filled up with worms and ants. It came from God. It wasn't an accident. It was him. The three men. There's a song that the Spear family sings. It's called, He's Still in the Fire. Three men were walking around in a fiery furnace and Nebuchadnezzar looked down. He said, didn't we throw three people in there? He said, there's four. And they're walking around. It wasn't because they had something on to protect them. Faith in God protected them. God made the difference. God makes the difference. But every instance that we read about in the Bible where God made a difference in their life, Moses, the, the water parted in front of him because he had faith that it would. The water parted in front of Elijah too because he had faith in God that it would. Israel won the battle whenever Moses held up his rod and, and, and Aaron and, and the men come and helped him hold it up. And as long as they was holding it up, the Israelites was winning the battle. And they won because of Moses' faith in God. He took that same stick and he throwed it down on the ground. And it turned into a snake. Not only that, he picked it back up again. That wasn't people. That was God. And whenever the devil tried to duplicate God's power, Aaron's snake ate him. Just to show that God is always in control. That God is always all-powerful. And God tells us to follow Him. What keeps us from it? Verse number 42, the Gospel of John, chapter number 12. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on Him. But because the Pharisees did not confess Him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, they would not believe in Jesus because of what was going on around them. Verse 43, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. This morning you want to be blessed of God, give you give your life to Him. This morning you want to be saved eternally. You want a peace and a joy that can never be taken away from you, give your life to Him. You want a life not only, not only blessed, but do you want God to open those windows of heaven and pour blessings out upon your family, upon your church? Upon your life, give your life to Him. I don't remember exactly how Brother Doug worded it this morning, but he, 
He says something along the lines of this when it comes to humbleness or lowliness or one of the two. He said it's, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Being submitted to God is not thinking less of me. Yes, the Bible says our righteousness is, is, as, filth, is as filthy rags. Jesus didn't die for filthy rags. He died for us. And God wants to use us. God wants to use you, but you have to let Him. You have to put Him first. You have to focus on God. Focus on the goal that God has given us. Focus on the mission that God has given us. Jesus cried, verse 44, and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that sent me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world. And whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Every day there's an opportunity presented before us. There's a, a poem. I had to memorize it in high school and I don't remember hardly any of it. A terrible, awful, wonderful poem. A man named Robert Frost wrote it. He said, Two roads diverged in a wood. And I took the one less traveled by. Right? Every day we come in our life and we come up to a split. We come up to two roads diverged in a wood. And God wants us to live for Him on one path and we want what I want on the other path. We want to go fishing. We want some me time. We love the praise of men more than the praise of God. That's on one hand. And God's abundant mercy and blessings is on the other hand. And we have to get up and take one or the other every day. It's not a decision that we make one time. It's not a choice that we make once. He told Matthew, he said, follow me. Matthew got up, followed him. Gospel of John, chapter number 21. And we'll, uh, we'll end up over here. Gospel of John, chapter number 21. Jesus asked Peter, do you, love, do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord, knowest that I love you. He said unto him, feed my sheep. He said, Peter, do my work. Peter, live for me. Peter said, Lord, I, I, I love you. He asked him three times. Why do you repeat yourself? They say women repeat themselves to give the men an opportunity to change their answer. Right? It never works for me. We repeat ourselves whenever things is important. We repeat ourselves whenever we want things to stick. We repeat ourselves whenever things matter. So why was Jesus repeating Himself? Why did He ask Peter three times, Do you love me? Whenever Peter said yes. Peter said yes. Peter said yes. He's wanting Peter to think about it really, really hard. He's wanting it to sink in. He's wanting this to make a difference with Peter. And in verse number 21, in verse 19, he told Peter, he said, follow me. 
Peter turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved, follow him. Verse 20. Which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Jesus told Peter, Peter, follow me. Peter, get up and live for me. Peter, give to me. Peter, do a mission for me. Peter, do a work for me. Peter, live your life for me. And Peter said, what about him? Do we ever do that? God wants me to live for him, but I'm too focused on what everybody else is doing or not doing. God wants me to testify to other people, but I'm worried about that person not testifying to other people. God wants me to love everyone, but I'm too busy worrying about this hateful person over here that I can't keep my eyes on the goal. Jesus wants me to spread his word, but I'm too busy worrying about what kind of Bible these people over here are reading that I don't even spread God's word. I'm too busy worrying about them. God wants me to reach out. God wants me to give to Him. God wants me to talk to Him. God wants me to allow Him to talk back to me. And yet all I'm worried about is what everybody else is doing. Jesus said, I love this, He said, if if I will that He tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Now, I understand that they used different language back then. But this is like Peter, this is like Jesus saying, So? Bailey's got this new thing. She, she does her hands like this all the time. I don't know. All the time. Especially when she did something wrong. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. Peter said, Peter said, What about them? Jesus said, What about them? What about them? Why should them make a difference to what God has called me to do? Why should what everybody else is doing impact at all what God has called me to do? Don't get me wrong. We should exhort. We should edify. We should lift up. We should pray for one another. We should encourage one another. We should try to keep one another in God's will. But if God has set a calling on my life, then why in the world am I worried about everybody else? If God sets a calling on your life, don't worry what I'm doing. Don't worry what the person next to you is doing. Worry about what you're doing. You're the one driving. Anybody's wife was a passenger seat driver? Mine too. All the time. It's terrible. It's awful. Scares me to death. But you know what the worst part is? There's not a steering wheel on her side. She may stomp a hole in the floor, but there's no brake on her side. When I was just 16, 17 years old, when my mom would ride with me, she'd try to tear that, that handle off the dash. She tried hard. It never come loose, but she tried hard. There was nothing that she could do sitting in that passenger seat because it's my responsibility to drive. It is my life. It is my truck. It is my road. I'm going. It is your life. It is the calling that God has put on your life. Not for everybody else. Not for your spouse, not for your kids, not for your parents, not for your kin, not for other church people, not for strangers. It's for you. God has put a calling on your life. Don't try to passenger seat drive somebody else's. Don't worry what's going on with them. Obey God. He'll bless us if we don't rob Him. If we get distracted by everything else on the road. We drove to Covington this past week. We took Choctaw Road to get there. 
And whenever you cross over at Blonde, there's a pile of pretty horse people, crazy horse people, crazy horse people on both sides of the road. Big, fine houses. And it's really, really easy to get distracted. It's easy to start looking at them, them pretty lakes and you just imagine that nobody fishes there. There's got to be a big fish in there. And then you cross over that line and you're in trouble. It's easy to start looking over on this side. And there's a curve coming up, but we can't see it because we're looking at everything else. And it's easy to get in trouble really, really quick. Jesus said, follow me. Jesus said, live for me. Jesus said, if you love me and you keep my commandment, you are my disciples indeed. He said, the world will know you by your deeds. That they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. How is my obedience? What do I focus on? Do I focus on God? Do I live for Him or am I worried about everybody else? Do I give to Him or am I robbing Him? Do I give to God? Or I heard a guy say one time, he said, if, if only everybody would give their coffee money to church. If only everybody would give their coffee money to church. They'd be fine floors and padded pews and, and the lights, the chandeliers wouldn't have a blow bulb in them. God don't ask for our coffee money. God asks for what is purposed in our heart. God asks for us to give to Him of our resources first. That is our money, our time, our life. To give to Him first. If we don't, we are robbing Him. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God wants your soul first. God wants your faith first. The sin of unbelief will send you straight to hell. Not because, not because your preacher wasn't praying for you. Not because your family wanted you to go there. Not because God is just a mean God. It's because you would not believe on Jesus Christ as your Savior. This morning, if you'll believe on Jesus, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon His name shall be saved. Believe in Jesus this morning. Give your life to Him. Well, we have a verse for song. I have a verse of invitation.